And now, Fastened Like Nails with Dr. Mark Hamby. Welcome to Fastened Like Nails. I'm Mark Hamby, and in the studio with me today, some really special things are going to take place. I have my co-host, Molly Mayo. Molly, thank you. Great to have you here again. And next to me on the right, I have Michael Card. Mike, nice to have you here. Nice to be here. Okay, so um, (laughs) we're gonna we're gonna give a little bit of um, introduction as to you know, who you are and how I'm, I get to know you. I'm interested to hear what you're going to say. <laughs> <laughs> We've heard anything can happen. It so, can go either way, actually. <laughs> so Michael Card is here this week. He's a, one of our theology teachers. He's mm-hmm. teaching his Imagination series at our Master's Guild. Mm-hmm. Um, our students are really enjoying it. I got to sit in the mm-hmm. first couple classes. I want to keep going, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm, but I got so much work to do. It's hard to <laughs> do both, but um, I was pretty floored at some of the the uh, slides you showed today. Oh, yeah, yeah. Mm. Yeah, I thought you'd like those. You know, yeah. just when I was in Israel, Sea of Galilee is my favorite place. I can see why Jesus loved being there. It is. It's, it's just the most beautiful place in the world. Isn't it? Yeah. Oh, yeah. just. And so we got a lot to share. Yeah. So I don't want to spend a lot of time on the introduction, but I'll just share this. So um, when did you start singing? Professionally? Yeah, professionally. Uh, my first record came out in 81. Mm. Okay, I got saved in 77. Mm-hmm. And was discipled by John MacArthur, mm-hmm. Chuck Swindoll, Chuck Smith wow. on the radio. Okay. okay. Wow, though. That's still impressive. I'd, <laughs> I'd get up at 5.30 in the morning. John MacArthur was playing 5.30 every morning. That's how I, I started hearing him. Uh-huh. And then right after that, uh, Chuck Swindoll came on. And then right after that, uh, Chuck Smith came on. So those mm-hmm. are my three mentors. And then Charles Stanley. I forgot about mm-hmm. Charles Stanley. And so, and then I started collecting their back then cassettes, uh-huh. you know. And I, wherever I traveled, I'd be listening to these. I literally must have had two hundred of their messages. Grace to you. Wow. And uh, so that's how I got started. Wow. And then in the early '80s, I remember Christian music started to become important to me. But there wasn't, I don't know, Christian music just didn't do it for me. I just, mm-hmm. I just, mm-hmm. you know, I, I could make the transition. I knew that I needed to listen to things that were good and holy, et, mm-hmm. et cetera. But there was nothing, the, the lyrics just didn't do anything for me. Yeah. And then all of a sudden I heard Michael Card for the very first time. Mm. And it was like, whoa, the Bible mm-hmm. in music. Wow. You know? thank you. Yeah, and it was like, and then I followed you and, and boy, I remember when you did the Revelation album. Yeah. That was, what was the title of that? That was a hard, it's called uh, Unveiled Hope. Unveiled Hope, I think that's yeah, was I think the title we, of it. Yeah. And yeah, I took all the hymn fragments in Revelation for the music. That was wow. a, that was the easiest record I ever did. Seriously? Oh, it was so easy because the lyrics are already there. Oh, wow. That's amazing. Yeah, yeah that, that, was, that was crazy. I was yeah. blown away. I learned so much during that. And so during that time, my son, who was born in 82, by the time we get to 98, um, he's now going to be 16 years old. Mm-hmm. In 98, I write you a letter. Um, I don't even know how I found your address. Um, but I write you a letter. Or you, I think Maybe went, you got it from my parole officer. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think it might have been to your agent. I might have sent it to him, and he okay. passed it on to you. Uh-huh. And you answered the letter. Uh-huh. So you don't remember this, do you? No. <laughs> Are you kidding me? You don't remember from 1998? What's wrong with you? <laughs> so I was telling you my son, Jonathan, is turning 16 years old, and he loves your music. Uh-huh. And if there was ever a time that you could take a moment in, in your intermission of your next concert, if you could take time to meet him and just talk to him and pray with him and inspire him about because he loved playing the guitar he loved playing mm-hmm. um, piano he played violin and he he loved singing uh-huh. and so I thought boy here's one person if you could just encourage him in his walk moving forward uh-huh. 
And you answered the letter. Uh-huh. I was just blown away. Well, did we connect? Yeah. At a concert? Yeah. We good, met you good, at the good. Binghamton conference co- uh, concert. Uh, you were singing, singing there. And it was the same time. I'm in the audience and I'm reading a book called The Lamplighter. Mm-hmm. And at that time, Lamplighter Ministries was known as Cornerstone Family Ministries. Mm-hmm. But people were calling us for like, hey, can we be on your TV show? And I'm like, we're not a television <laughs> producer. <laughs> so we knew we had to change the name Cornerstone to something. And I couldn't. I've been praying and praying and praying. We're at your conference. And I bring my book with me. I don't know mm. why. <laughs> In case the music mm. was bad. Help, help me with that, Molly. Uh, she brings his books everywhere. I was, I was at your conference. There wasn't much going on. So I was reading a book. It was be, no, it was before the concert started. And I'm reading this book called The Lamplighter. And I get to this this one section where this kind of like this retarded man is lighting the lamps. And he's got the spirit of Christ in him. And he takes this little girl mm. uh, who's barefooted in the streets of London in the wintertime. He takes her, realizes that she has nothing he takes her, puts her inside his coat to warm her, brings her home, and he becomes her father. Mm. And he's getting down the ladder from lighting the lamps. And I'm like, whoa, that's who we are, bringing Aww. redemption mm. to those who are lost. And we're the lamplighter. That's and cool. Lamplighter Ministries got started at your conference. Wow. And you <laughs> took crazy. my And you took my – you didn't know that, did you? No, either. I didn't mm. know Isn't that, that crazy? Yeah. And wow. uh, mm. my son Jonathan was uh, truly inspired. He couldn't believe that you would take that time. So thank you for – Oh, you're welcome. Doing that so long ago. Yeah. How could you not do that? How could Mm -hmm. you not get to meet, you know, a kid like that? Most people would never do that. I don't know. I I don't know. Yeah. How can you? Yeah. That's really cool. But you're welcome. You're welcome. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, everyone, um, this has been an incredible, incredible week here at the Lamplighter, the Master's Guild. Uh, I've been... trying to always find musicians that would come here. Andrew Peterson's been here several times. And I like his music. He, you know, he instills the scripture, the word mm-hmm. of God, theology. Good there guy. there aren't many artists out there, Michael, that Mike that do this. I'll call you Mike because I know you'd prefer that. That's fine. <laughs> and uh and so your music has been word driven all these years. Tell me how that happened. Mm-hmm. Well, one one reason uh, William Lane, the man who discipled me, mm-hmm who was my principal professor, who I studied with for six years, who I then was walked with for 27 years, and I was wow. holding his hand wow. when he died. I was sitting next to his bed holding his hand when he died. Wow. William Lane, I'm uh, attending his church in, uh, in uh, college. Uh, he gave leadership to a small black congregation, and um, he came up after church one day, and he said, uh, Mr. Carr, I'm studying Paul with him at school. Mr. Carr, do you play the guitar, don't you? Yes, sir. He said, uh, well, here's my sermon for next week. Write us a chorus. Whoa. Yeah. Oh, that's wow. awesome. That's why I started writing music. And I would love to say God spoke to me, and I'm such a faithful man. But I just did it to please Bill, <laughs> right? I wanted to please Dr. Lane. And so for six years, off and on, not every Sunday, but he would give me a sermon, and I would write a chorus. No way. That's how you got started? Yeah. That's crazy. So I had his content. Okay, I had uh-huh. Harvard PhD commentary <laughs> writer mm-hmm. content. Okay, like the the song Emmanuel. Mm-hmm. That was one of Bill's sermons. No, no way. way. Yeah, if God is with you, who could ever be against you? Whoa. You know, right? That's yeah. beautiful. Whoa. So yeah, so that's how I started. I was writing for a little congregation of a dozen people in Bowling Green, Kentucky. So you and I have had similar backgrounds as far as having someone breathe into our lives, yep. disciple us, mentor us. Um, I can I look back at my life. You know, Dr. Colin Smith, he mm. breathed into my life the Word of God. Mm-hmm. I mean, he, he opened the Scriptures in such a way that 
I'll never be the same. I'm yeah. still teaching the same stuff. Right. That's they, Bill. That was my relationship mm. with Bill. Yeah, I remember yeah. you. Ha- Mike, Mike last night handed me two uh, commentaries, both by his mentor. Yeah, Aww. you know, from Word. And you're off comment- your shelf. Yeah. Well, and, and <laughs> Bill. Okay, get this. Bill talked my wife into marrying me. <gasps> no way. Yeah. What? So I have this six-year crush. <laughs> on Susan Kepley, okay, at, at, at Western Kentucky University. And I'm just, I mean, I can't eat, I can't sleep. I mean, I'm just objectly in love. Whoa. And she doesn't return the feelings at all. So Bill, one day, Bill, you know, after church, he goes, Susan, you know, Michael really loves you. You know, he, he just, you know, you need to, you know, basically he's kind of mm-hmm. pitching, you know, you know, being my friend. And she said, she goes, I just don't love him. Right. And so here's, here's what, here's what got me. My wife, Bill said, uh, well, of the men you've known, who have you trusted? Ooh. And Susan said, I trust Mike Card. And here's the line. Bill said, Susan, it's more important to say, I trust you than to say, I love you. Whoa. That's the line that got me my wife. That's crazy. Yeah. I think she loves me now. I mean, it's, been four, it's been 40 years. And she's trusted me ever since. I, I, and I, don't, I don't think she trusts me anymore, but I think she loves me. But now she loves me. And then he married us. He performed the sermon. sermon. So, yeah. I, nobody own, uh, no, no person owes another person more than I owe Bill Lane. Wow. I wouldn't be here for one for Bill. Wow. Okay. So you start, you have this emphasis of, of biblical theology. Mm-hmm. In your in your songs mm-hmm. and in your books now, how many books have you written? Twenty five, I think. Wow. wow. Yeah. I remember listening to you on uh, on Moody Bible. Yep. You had a show called yep. Enjoying the Journey, or it was it, 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 we had two or three permutations, but mm-hmm. that was one of them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I remember listening to that on Saturday morning. It was on every Saturday morning. Yeah. It was like, oh, there's Mike on, Wayne the, on the radio. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and that's I didn't know that you were a writer at that point. I thought you were mm-hmm. just a musician, uh-huh. you know, songwriters, um, you know, performer, and mm-hmm. and then I then I started listening to you on the radio and hearing like, whoa, he's a Bible teacher. Well, my <laughs> heroes are all book writers. My heroes aren't mm-hmm. musicians, right? I grew up in Nashville. Ah, and my <laughs> heroes aren't musicians, but you know, you and I we talk about Brueggemann, yeah, Frederick Beekner, yeah. you know, Bonhoeffer, people like that. Yeah. Those are my heroes. Yeah, mine yeah. too. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so okay, so. Praise God, you know. Absolutely. You know, we we are yes. what we read. L- mm-hmm. Books change mm-hmm. us. Mm-hmm. Readers are leaders. Leaders are readers. And praise mm-hmm. God that He's done that in your life. Mm-hmm. Okay, so so you've taken your music. It's different than what other musicians have done. You're teaching you're teaching Jesus through this. You're teaching theology. You're teaching you know Scripture through your songs. But then all of a sudden, there's this turn in your life, and I'm following you from afar. You know, we have you here for, you know, a concert back in 2012, maybe it was. Mm-hmm. You know, you look, so, folks, this is this really happened. So we have a Michael Card concert here at Lamplighter in western New York. We're, we're new in the area, okay? We're this, mm-hmm. We got this little church. It only fits 220 people, mm-hmm. I mean, packed in, right? Mm-hmm. And, uh, and so we, we publicized it, put it on the radio, et cetera, and we're like, I'm like kind of scared, like, Nobody's coming. Well, do people even know who Michael Card is? (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's one thing, you know, from from the 1980s, but, you know, 1980s, 1990s. And but this is like 2012. You know, well, people know he is. It was not only packed out Mm. like standing room only, Mm. but there's people outside down the sidewalk all the way like downtown. I remember that. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, no, what are we going to do? And then I come in and I and I look at you and I said, we have a really wonderful problem. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, would you would you be willing to stay and do a, another concert? Yeah. You know, at nine o'clock. You know, we did one at seven. 
Has that ever happened to you before? No. Not wow. that I remember. That's the only time. Isn't that crazy? It was. It was pretty Aww. cool. Yeah. And so we did. And both of them were like standing ovations mm-hmm. and people. It was just. I don't remember that part. The, the, oh, yeah, it was. It was the, the, as the lady said at Salvation Army the other day, mm-hmm. the spirit is in this place. Yeah. You know, that's, that's really what happened yeah. there. So, okay. So. That was cool. So from there, you, your, your ministry, God is t- refining and turning you. And now all of a sudden. You're really getting hooked on Jesus in an mm-hmm. amazing way. You're like, like you're profound. In fact, I'll never forget. This is what you said at the last time you played here. Okay, you sang the Emmanuel song. Mm-hmm. Okay, and you looked out at the people and you started to cry. Yeah. I don't remember that. Yeah. Well, you started. You tear. You started <laughs> okay. tearing up, and you looked at everyone and you looked at you looked at the whole congregation. It was standing room only out there, and you said, everyone. God is crazy in love with us. Mm. He's like crazy in love with us. He wants to be with us. Mm. You know, Emmanuel. Yeah, 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 yeah. And you're like, he will do anything to be with us. I've never forgotten that. Yeah. Bill used to say he would rather die than live without you. Mm. Whoa. Yeah, and that a great? Wow. And it, literally, he would rather die than live without you. So, That's crazy. Yeah, we. I can't understand that. I can't either, and I, you know, don't, I don't know how to respond other than just saying, you know, take my life. I mean, Whoa. everything I've got mm. is Whoa. yours. Yeah, yeah. Do you, if you, if you, I imagine you've said this before at other places, right? That God's crazy in love with us. Yeah. Well, I don't. Again, I don't remember, but I do. I do know that song, Emmanuel. That that thought goes through my head before I play it. Mm-hmm. You know, about how much He loves us, and uh, I've repeated yeah. that more than any other quote I think yeah. that I've ever quoted. That, that changed me, by the way. Yeah. Because I, I never had that perspective of mm-hmm. God. Mm-hmm. Not, not only does is he Emmanuel, he wants to be with us, yeah. he is with us, but that he's crazy in love with us and he'll do anything to be with us. Well, that, yeah, that's why he wants to be with us because <laughs> he loves us so much. Yeah. Right? Yeah, yeah I, which is a mystery to me. I don't. I, I know. Me. I look at my life and I go, "Is there something wrong with you?" I mean, what? It, where do you? And of course, it's his nature. It mm. has nothing to do with us. Yeah, Jacob was the eye of uh, the apple of his eye, and I'm like, "What? Yeah, why? Exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't get it." That's and then you look at, weird. and then, but then you're really glad that he's that way when yeah. you look at yourself. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, so you developed the imagination series, and um, I got your books, and I'm like. So, Michael, this Mike, this really happened. I'm looking at your books and I'm reading them and I'm going like, whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> this is like biblical theology. No one, I've, no one in my circles other than my, you know, my Dr. Colin Smith who mentored me mm. and then his son, Colin Smith. I have not known anybody in my sphere of influence, no one in my world that understood biblical theology. It's like a foreign, mm. it's a foreign thing. I mean, do you meet a lot of people that understand biblical theology? Uh, you know, again, Bill, Bill Lane, mm-hmm. it was he, he had so much to do with it. And then his students, I mean, if he had any influence on your life, that's, yeah. that's the most important thing. Mm-hmm. Like we talked earlier, not systematic theology where, you, you know, it's sort of dependent upon your cleverness to put the pieces together. But really, in, Bill would say you engage with Scripture at the level of the informed imagination that's where that comes from. You listen Ooh. You listen to Scripture with all your heart and all your mind, and that's integrated by your imagination. That was Bill's 
Okay. M.O. Okay, we're backing up. Yeah. This is so significant <laughs> yeah. right now. I want everyone to get this. Yeah. Molly, you've been here for a couple years now. Uh-huh. And y- the only thing you've gotten here is biblical theology. Yeah. Is how, how has that been for you? Well, that's why I came. I was talking a little bit to uh, Mike earlier about that because I, I wanted to originally be a writer. And then I came and I started to hear about the parables of Jesus. And I was just like, whoa. Mm. And I think it was just that idea of I grew up like knowing the stories of the Bible. Like we all kind of grew up with the idea of it. But then to see like, whoa, like God knows what he's doing, which is kind of a silly thing because duh. But <laughs> he's he's so masterful. Like it's not like the Psalms, for instance. I was just like as a kid, I was like, this is so repetitive and redundant. Like why do people like this? And then I get older and, and I start seeing structure and the beauty of it and what David was going through. So you get like these little layers about what God's doing. And I was like, whoa, Mm. it's so rich and beautiful. Then you go through hard stuff and you read a psalm and it's like really comforting. And then you've got that personal relationship with God that you were talking about Mm -hmm. that it's not just like there's God and he created everything and he's cool and he loves me, but it's just like he's the best thing about my life Mm. and he wants to have that connection with me, which is not something that, I really thought of before. And so seeing the biblical theology was so huge to to my life mm-hmm. and how I walk with God now. Okay, so Mike, explain the difference between biblical theology and systematic theology the best <laughs> you can. And I'll I'll come around. Well, I mean, this is probably an oversimplification, but system systematic theology is based on a system. You develop a system mm-hmm. and everything has to hang together and be uh, consistent philosophically. Mm-hmm. And what Bill Lane used to say was, in first, first of all, it's impossible to systematize God's truth. It's yeah, too big. Absolutely. It won't fit into any man-made system. <laughs> you can't put God in a box. And, and what the, but more so, Bill would say, whatever you start with ends up shaping everything. Mm-hmm. So if, if it can't disagree, if nothing can disagree or be inconsistent. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and so people end up saying things that aren't biblical because they have to to make their system work exactly, mm. and, uh, and and as opposed to biblical biblical theology, which understands mystery and paradox, mm. and um, mm. sometimes things seem to be you know Jesus is fully God and he's fully man. Mm-hmm. Well, systematic theology will come up with some sort of equation to make that make sense. Mm-hmm. And biblical theology says it's a mystery. You're never going to get this. Right? One, one of my professors he said purposeful ambiguity. Oh, that's good. Huh. Yeah, and, and he said. And then I would say, like, well, what does which way should we go with it? And he'd go, yes. Yeah, right, 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 right. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and that's that's the tension of the Scripture because mm-hmm. – and a lot of times when you look at it, you dig into it, you're like, is it possible it's both? It's right. Not, mm-hmm. You know, and or it's – both. Yep. It's like, whoa. Yep. Yeah, I say a lot. My, one of my new mottos is we, we think the answer is one thing. Uh-huh. And a lot of times it's not one thing. Mm-hmm. It's more than one thing. Yeah, God God chose us before the foundation of the world. But whosoever will call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. Right. Mm-hmm. Isn't that cool? Yeah. And I can come up with a system and try to make that work. But I'm going to have to opt for one or the, the other, other to start, yeah. whichever one I start with. Yeah. And so I, I can remember being in a church that um, – the, the systematic theology they're saying was uh, that Jesus only died for the sins of the people who would accept him. Because mm. it makes no sense that he would die for the sins of people who didn't accept him. And I go, well, hold up. Mm-hmm. John says he died for the sins of, of, the, know, world. of the world. Yeah. And so that's biblical theology. Mm-hmm. And, um, and, and when I came, will you tell me what you think about this? Um, 
I'm, I've been thinking about this for a long time, and I've been reluctant to share it, so I'll share it for the first time. <laughs> you, you, don't, you don't go to hell for your sin because Jesus paid for the sins of the whole world. Right. That's why the cross yeah. is such mm-hmm. an incredible moment. You go to hell for saying no. To Christ. To Christ. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, good. Yeah. Good. So that's not heresy. No. <laughs> Thank you. Thanks no. for clearing that up for me. <laughs> no. And someone says something else interesting. You know, the, the Lazarus and the rich man, when the rich man's in hell, he is not content, but he does not try to get out of hell. Mm-hmm. He just says, can someone go back and tell my brothers? So he didn't end up here. Yeah. So mm-hmm. the guy has some sort of, con- he's, he cons- he's willing to console other people. He doesn't mm-hmm. want anyone else to be there, but mm-hmm. he's willing to accept his punishment. He knows that it's just for yeah. him to be there. And I thought, whoa, that's amazing. Yeah. I mean, and, and Mike, it and Molly, what this does for me, it's like, I don't want to, I, while we're here on this side, we should not want anyone to go there more than the man that's already there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, we should be telling everybody. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's why this concert, we're going to have a concert Friday. Mm-hmm. Before the concert starts, I want to just prep people's hearts and saying like, hey, what you hear today, mm-hmm. you know, I, this needs to be a holy moment here. Mm. You know, if God is speaking to you during this concert, you know, let's do some business with God. Let's let's talk to God during this time. Mm. So I want you to have the freedom Friday. And it's going to be Good Friday, 7 o'clock, wow. we're having a concert here. I want you to have the freedom to share the gospel through mm. your life and music. Mm. You know, it's more than a concert, you mm-hmm. know. So, okay, so and no pressure. Good <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> okay, so um, systematic. So those of you that are listening to this that are systematic theology people, please don't write me any letters. I don't want to hear from you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I say that in a very humorous way. <laughs> no, but but systematic theology, you know, there's some good to systematic theology. I have put some things as far as de- definitions and so forth. But well, there are a lot of systematic theologians who probably agree with us, everything we're saying, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. It's not my system, my system, but this is how I approach it. So yeah, and yeah. Me too. And biblical theology for me is taking the Bible speaks for itself. It interprets itself. Mm-hmm. You study it from its, you know, from the syntax and this lexical meaning, from its historical background, from its ge- geography, mm-hmm. from its, mm-hmm. you know, from you do a word study on the mm-hmm. etymology of words. Mm-hmm. You, you, you're ex- you exhaust every possible nook and cranny. You look at the scripture from upside down, inside out. And you, it's exhaustive. And when mm-hmm. you do that, and for me, mm-hmm. I love looking at the structure. Mm-hmm. For me, the structure points to the, the meaning of it. Mm-hmm. But when I look at all of those things, I'm always 100% of the time always left with, I can't believe it. That's what it means. The Bible yeah. speaks for itself. Yeah. You know, and so mm-hmm. that's what I love about biblical theology. Okay, so you, you approach the scriptures this way, and you came across this idea from your mentor, mm-hmm. Dr. Lang, of this Deuteronomy chapter six, six verse four. four and five. It's yeah, the central Ex- creed, of, creed of Judaism, the Shema. Explain the Shema. Explain how this is our new approach to our understanding of Scripture through our imagination. Okay. Well, you go to Israel. Let's start with this little story. You go to Israel. You make friends over over the years. I have a friend who's a rabbi, and rabbis. Jesus, Jesus is a rabbi. He did this mm-hmm. too. He loved to ask people questions that he knew they didn't know the answer to. Mm-hmm. Okay, so uh, I have a friend who's a rabbi in Jerusalem, and he, he asked me once, what's the first commandment? Well, I said, well, that's easy. You know, have no other gods before me. He goes, wrong. <laughs> really? said, the first commandment is to listen. Whoa. Yeah. Are Shema. you kidding me? 
Yeah, the central creed of Israel of of, of Judaism is li- here, and it's Dude, really oh, should Israel. be listen. Shema should be translated listen. I like listen, that. Israel. The Lord our God, the Lord is one. That's where you start. Wow. The great, you know, the the yeah. monotheism, one God, right? So here, here is the Lord our God, the Lord is one, and you must love. So hear, listen, and love. Those are the two uh, mm. mandates. And you shall you must love the Lord with all your heart, all your. Uh, your mind and all your, uh, well, all your spirit and uh, and everything that's in you. There's three kind of uh-huh. hard to translate words, but love, heart, love them with your heart, love. That's easy. Uh-huh. Uh, love them with your soul, nefesh. Mm-hmm. Your, uh, some people say mind, and then the last word is uh, difficult. It's maod. It means much strength. Strength. Um, you see it translated all different ways. Muchness. And that's yeah, well, yeah. That that would be more literal, but. Um, when you see word translated four or five different ways, you go, "This, you know, this is a Something's this is a hard one." Something's but up. you love him with everything you are, or you mm. listen to him with everything Whoa. you are. And so, uh, Bill Bill summed that passage up by saying, "The best way to love God is to listen to Him." Mm. You know, and but he he would say, "But how do you do that? How do you love Him with all your mind and your heart and everything you are? How do you do that?" And his answer was, "Well, there there's this part of us that that." that integrates and unifies and pulls us all together. There's a, he said it's a bridge between your heart and your mind, and it's your imagination. Mm-hmm. Uh, your imagination is yeah. what reintegrates you. And he says it makes perfect sense. That's why Jesus tells parables. Jesus doesn't do theology. He tells a story. And you engage with your imagination, right? Oh, you're, I like you, this. you're the, yeah. you know, you're the young, you're the a son who's run away from home and come and wasted mm-hmm. everything and come back, or you're the elder son who's the good guy and hasn't messed up, mm-hmm. and you've got to sort things out, or you're mm-hmm. the woman who's lost the coin and is looking for it everywhere, that sort of thing, oh, and um, and it really, that's the basis for my whole life. I mean, that's that's where songs come from. Songs come from the imagination, mm-hmm. right? They don't come from necessarily your mind or necessarily even your heart. And so... Uh, wait, wait, wait. But, it's big. But, okay, but your imagination, it's it's not like it's already full. How do you, how do you cultivate the imagination? What, what brings that imagination to life? Yeah. I don't, I don't know if there, <laughs> I, there's... There, I don't know if there's an easy answer to that. Well, Other than... That when you when you approach a, a subject, you know you do your homework, the mm-hmm. mind part. Okay. You do your homework. So you got to do your mind part, yeah. homework. Got but it. then you listen to the scripture kind of with your heart. You know, you listen to it not just with the the, okay. the like we're saying, not the or any kind of theology, not just mm-hmm. theological. But then you listen to it, and then then what comes out of that as you engage and put the pieces together? I think that's what happens in the imagination. Okay, how about experience though? I mean, your experiences of life does that play a part? Absolutely, and okay. that and that's and that is is um, actualized. By your imagination, you know, my, this is my experience. I, I, you know, I know, I know I've seen people suffer and I need to write a song about suffering. So I'm, I imagine what, what's it like to lose a child or what's it like, mm-hmm. you know, what, you know, mm-hmm. to have someone say you've got cancer. That's never happened to me, uh-huh. but that sort of thing. And mm-hmm. so, yeah, you engage with your imagination. So would you say your songs um, and your writing, well, not, let's leave the writing aside for a second. Do you think your songs have come more from your experiences or more from your integration of Scripture? Where, where all, it comes from all those places. All of them. Yeah, it comes from all those places. What has, inf- what has influenced you the most, though? What, is, what has been the greatest impact in your life? Hmm. 
I mean, you were like, you're like, whoa, this this is a game changer. Yeah. Um, the motive force is to me is always trying to respond to Jesus. I'm, mm. I'm responding to every aspect, every detail of his life, everything that he's done for me, and what I call the present reality of Jesus. The mm. not the, not just the Jesus who was from the gospel, the Jesus who is, who cares. You know, who knows the number of hairs on your head, and you know, knows that we're dust, and is, um, and um, my my one of my favorite quotes of Jesus, um, it, um, that God is kind to the ungrateful and the wicked. I think it's the most significant thing he said that nobody ever talks about. Mm. But um, why? Why? I mean, why does he, why does he say that? Uh, uh, why? Because he's trying to. His, his whole purpose is to reveal who God is, mm. and uh, in in his context. God is kind to people who are righteous and who live do do the right things and keep the rules, and for Him to say He's unkind to the un He's He's kind and not just loves it's kind it's Christus it's he, He's kind mm. to the ungrateful and the wicked. Yeah, I don't when He said that, that peace, people must have said, "Why? What? Yeah. yeah, what did you you know? Yeah, but God is kind to the ungrateful and the wicked. It's the thing that fills Him with joy that God mm. is that way. Okay, that's. That's pretty amazing. That does, how does that influence us? Well, I, I stand in front of the cross of Jesus, and I think, you know, I, I nailed you there. Mm. Uh, I have no right to expect anything from you. Mm-hmm. What do I get? I get everything. Mm-hmm. I'm the ungrateful and the wicked person, mm-hmm. and he shows me his kindness. I like what you said, though, because that, that should be a major influence in the way that we see other people, whether they're— sure. yeah. That our act of kindness toward them, undeserved, right, should give us great joy. Absolutely. Whoa. Absolutely. You, and that's Hesed. I mean, we eventually we get back to Hesed because that Hesed is one of the kindness is one of the translations of Hesed. Okay. Um, hold hold on to Hesed. Okay. So okay. So you said exactly what I was hoping you were going to say. Yeah. So the greatest impact in your life is Jesus. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Since you've been here. That's all you talk about. That's all I'm interested in. (laughs) Yeah, that is awesome. I mean, that really is what our relationship, intimate relationship with Christ is what really is the major influence. Other experiences change us temporarily. Yeah. But he's a really interesting person, too. I mean, just mm-hmm. apart from, yeah, he saved me and he died on the cross for me. Yeah, yeah, I get, I get all that mm-hmm. and I believe that and that changed my life. But at the same time, he's just this marvelous, quirky, interesting, uh, sometimes infuriating person. I mean, is is you just never get to the bottom mm-hmm. of his life. Uh, and yeah. and we have such a small little slice of it, but what we have, yeah, point zero nine percent. Yeah, uh, if, if Jesus' life is $100, we have nine cents of it. Yeah, that's crazy. I don't think we could take any more. Really? <laughs> what if we had 50%? What well, if we had volumes of everything he said and did? We have all eternity to get to know him. Yes, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's funny because you were talking about like the paradoxical part of God, like you can't figure him out. And you, I, re- I remember when we were first doing the parables of Jesus, I was like, none of this makes any sense. This is so confusing. Yeah. I like skipped over so much when I was reading when I was younger. Uh-huh. Like I had no idea. But then, I don't know, like you could spend your whole life just studying a chapter or something and yeah, I think mm-hmm. it would be kind of useless if we had 50%. Okay, so yeah. we're going we're gonna to bring this to a close here. So <clears throat> in, your, in your imagination books and your imagination thinking, it's based on Deuteronomy chapter 4, six, six verse 4, yeah. uh, 5. Um, Listen, O Israel, the Lord thy God is uh, one, one God. 
you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, strength, or muchness. Um, so when you when you take that, you know, you're talking about you're talking about really engaging with God, listening to Him. You know, explain what you mean. What does it mean to listen to God? How do you do that? Well, he he's he's made he's made it really simple. He get, he's given us his word mm. and he's in he's in put in us his holy spirit mm. that um prompt us prompts us helps us understand things the the mysteries and um and helps us to uh, be satisfied I think to to not understand everything but just to experience his presence because sometimes there're no well often there's just no words but what you have is his presence. Mm-hmm. And uh you so yeah, he's. What more could he do, to you know, to mm-hmm. put us in relationship with himself, give us his spirit, give us his word, mm-hmm. and even give us the desire mm-hmm. to care about his word. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So it, uh, one of one of my favorite pr- things to pray is I'll say Jesus. There's, right now, there's nothing in my heart but thanksgiving. There's nothing in my heart but for, but gratitude. Wow. Because of all these things yeah. he's done. Mm-hmm. That's beautiful. Yeah. Oh, that's beautiful. Okay, so uh, so from here, you're writing any more books? Or are you done? No, I'm 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 writing the last book, um, uh, and it's I'm, I, th- I want to call it the Galilean, but the publishers always change the title from what you want to something mm. else. Ooh, I like the Galilean. I do too, because my last book was called the Nazarene, so I thought that'd be cool. <clears throat> um, mm-hmm. I don't know. If the, the The publishers will roll their eyes when I say well, it'd be really cool to do it this way. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, it's it's basically uh, it's I, I, I don't want to say exhaustive because you can't exhaust it, but it's every detail of the life of Jesus mm-hmm. that I can lay my hands on. How many languages he spoke, what he dressed, what he, he eats fish every day for lunch. <clears throat> really? Yeah, he walk. Yeah, he spends he spends uh, uh, four months out of every year walking back and forth to Jerusalem. It's all these details. He grows up uh, eighteen miles from the Mediterranean Ocean. Mm-hmm. We don't think about that. Yeah. There's all these details that I had never heard before, and 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 but not just the details, but what they mean. Mm. So that's what I'm working on. Cool. Yeah. Cool. You gonna start it like Luke did, like the collected things from the different eyewitnesses? Well, I'm, I've I've got it started. Uh, I've started with a sketch. Oh, nice. Uh, and and the sketch is, he's five foot six. His mm. hair's three inches long. I like he, this. You know, he's you know, it's just this <laughs> basic. I I read it in class the other day. I just <clears throat> yeah. finished writing it. And it's it's a collection of all. He grows up in a household with nine people. There, he's got four brothers, at least two sisters, uh, Joseph and Mary, and him. So there's at least nine people in his house. I'd never heard that. This mm-hmm. is crazy, right? Um, and the fact that he was a carpenter, the word carpenter is really more craftsman, right? He's a craftsman, mm-hmm. right? Because not not much wood actually right, where Jesus yeah. lives. So yeah. So he's probably doing more what? He's doing stone stone work and mm-hmm. um, yeah, more of a mason kind of than a, yeah. than a carpenter. Yeah. yeah. Oh, funny. yeah. So any um, other any other well, let's bring some more out. Well, I'm just trying to think. I, I have trouble. Uh, I've got I've got four notebooks like this thick full of articles, mm-hmm. and I, I, it's hard to it's hard to pull up the information sometimes. Well, I'm just wanting to get this information out so I can start writing. Yeah, God, <laughs> you know what? It's I'll give podcast. you the notes, and you can write it. No, 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 no. I'd rather read yours. <laughs> That's okay. It's on the podcast, and it's yours. <laughs> yeah. Well, the, my my outline uh, is you know um, his 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 world. The places and the people of his world. Okay, so mm-hmm. the world, the, the the places. So we talk about Galilee. We talk about 
you know, Nazareth, Capernaum. His, wait, wait, his world's pretty small. How many miles was it for him to go from Capernaum to Jerusalem? It's 100 miles, basically. And he walked it? He walks it, yeah. Mm. How often does he walk it? At least three times a year and probably more than that. In the Gospel of John, he goes down for, for uh, when it's not a feast. Um, so, yeah, he spends a lot of his time walking. Where's the baptism take place? Well, everyone argues about that. And there's a traditional spot that's just right across from Jericho. That's where I that Yeah, I've that's where everybody goes. Where was that waterfall that you showed this morning? That's up in Caesarea Philippi up where the where the Jordan comes oh. out from underneath uh, Mount Hermon. And and yeah. we have no idea why he goes. I I think I have uh, let me explain. Okay. So Jesus goes to Caesarea Philippi, which is up toward the Golan Heights. 25 miles north of Galilee. Yeah, yeah, crazy. I took a bus ride there by myself with the bus driver. Okay. <laughs> so yeah, it's a long ways up there. It is. Yeah. But when I was there, though, the water was coming out of the cave full. Yeah. Okay. But here's my take on it. So Jesus at that place goes all the way 25 miles north to ask the question, who do men say that I am? Mm-hmm. Some say John the Baptist. Some mm-hmm. say Elijah. Mm-hmm. Um, and but who do you say? Yeah, who yeah, do you say? Yeah. And then Peter gives that amazing moment. Mm-hmm. Um, some, thou art the Christ, the son of mm-hmm. the what? What does he say? The son of the? Son of God? No. The living of, God? The Most, living God. Oh, the living God. Okay. Where is he standing in front of? That huge rock, right? Uh-huh. What's in that huge rock? All those dead gods. Ah, uh, okay, okay, yeah. Okay. Now listen, I got that's this copyrighted. Good. You can't share it. No, that's place. good. <laughs> well, that's, well, well, Bill, Bill said something like that. Bill said it's yeah, he, he right. takes him to this pagan, pagan place, place, yeah, and and asks him, okay, here's the cave of Pan, here's mm-hmm. the temple to Caesar, here's you know, and he names all these different statues of all these gods. Mm-hmm. Okay, okay, who am I? That's right. Yeah, you are the living God yeah. in contrast to the dead gods yeah. in the, oh, in the cave. Cool. Yeah, I'm Peter. I'm thinking I had to walk, walk 25 miles for this. Though we could, <laughs> <laughs> okay, we could have done this on the shore of Sea of Galilee, and I would have been fine with <laughs> What's it. What's the cave known as? The cave of Pan. And what else? Yeah, you, it says it right there. Oh, it's the, the gateway to hell. Yeah, yeah, right. And Jesus says what? And the gates of, gates hell. of hell won't prevail, uh, and that is the best reason I think for. Yeah. I think he points at the cave of Pan and says the gates of hell won't prevail against yeah. this church. So, so yeah. yeah. So oh, here, cool. here's all these dead gods yeah. that cannot respond. They cannot act. Yeah. And here's Jesus, the living God, standing before them, saying, "Like guys, we've got a work to do. They can't stop us. They yeah. can't keep us from doing what we're supposed to do." Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I, that was one of my favorite places. I loved really? going there. Yeah, well, yeah. you got Mount Hermon in the background, yeah. you know, snow capped. There's a good coffee place just up from there, too. <laughs> Are you serious? Yeah. <laughs> All I saw was signs that said minefields. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there's a lot of those, too, still. <laughs> Seriously. That for later. There's a coffee place. Yeah, you go on up, you go on up that same road that goes right past Cesare Philippi, the, where the waterfall yeah. is, or yeah, where the cave is. You keep going up. It's like three miles. No way. Yeah. I saw all those really signs saying minefields. Yeah. No, there's good coffee up there. <laughs> this is why we're going with him to Israel. <laughs> I hope we can go yeah. in January. Okay, so yeah. so Caesarea Philippi, um, where, where else? What else was like a huge, like you're watching this, you're going like, whoa, this blows my mind about Jesus. Yeah. The Judean wilderness. Yeah, it would be the Judean. I see the Judean wilderness, and it's the moon. I've never seen wilderness. I mean, it's not like Nevada or Arizona no, or no, any desert crazy, I've right? ever seen. Yeah. I, I, the picture you took was yeah. exactly, I think it was exactly where I was standing. Probably. I, I wow. saw the same site, and I'm going like, Jesus was in there for 40 days and 40 yeah. nights? Yeah, yeah. Okay, so so that is desert, like dead. It's dead, right? Yeah. So... So what 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 do we learn theologically with this land of Israel? The la- have you ever have you ever studied the land? Um, um, P, uh, what's his name? Charlie Dyer, 
Um, mm-hmm. You know him? He's mm-hmm. the he's on Moody a lot. Mm-hmm. He he calls it the land between or um, the land in the book. No, no, oh yeah, okay, that's good. That's a good title. Yeah, yeah. the land in yeah. the yeah, I know that was another title yeah. I wanted too. <laughs> yeah. So uh, so each geographical location in Israel, you know, Israel's like the crossroads of life. Mm. You know, but you've got this these these amazing contrasts of beauty and then stark deadness. Yeah. The Dead Sea, the lowest part of the earth. Yeah. You know, a lake like, of poison. Uh, I, yeah. Explain that. Well, it's 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 uh, full of all these concentrate, not just salt, but all these all kinds of minerals and stuff, because there's no outflow. The water keeps pouring in and it keeps evaporating. It's saltier and saltier and more and more. What the pH, you know, is. Yeah. And uh, if you drink it, what happens? You die. It's poison. Yeah. <laughs> mm. You certainly get sick. But if you drink enough, it'd kill you. So the Jordan is 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 going into it, and nothing goes out. Yeah, boy, what a what a lesson of spiritual life. Right? Yeah, yeah. So yeah, if if you don't have any outflow, God's pouring into you. If you don't have any outflow, what happens? You get saltier and saltier, and more well, and more yeah. poisonous. Yeah, I like to stand on the shore when people because we, we we take tours there and people, you know, get their bathing suits on and get in and they rub the mud. The mud's supposed to clear your skin up and <laughs> Wait, they do all this. Stuff. I did this too, though. You did it? Yeah. Okay, okay. I stand on the shore and make fun of everybody. <laughs> I go, it's, it's a lake yeah. of poison. What's, what's wrong with you? Right? <laughs> the difference between you. Oh, it's nasty. They it is oily and slimy, right? Yeah, but it t- they told me it would take the wrinkles underneath. Oh, the yeah, right, right. Yeah. Those are the people that are selling you the towels by the sea. Yeah. So anyway, yeah, I make fun of the people who get in. Maybe someday I'll do it. But I almost drowned in the Dead Sea. I didn't think you could. I thought you couldn't sink. Well, what happened was is that your head is the heaviest part of your body. Uh-huh. And I decided I was going to go down under. Oh, yeah. It, but you can't do it, right? You can't even swim down. It's I, too... I did. I oh. swam like maybe two <laughs> feet. And the uh-huh. next thing I knew, my legs and my head went under and my legs went up. Mm-hmm. And I was struggling to get re- rewrite it. Yeah, yeah. It was crazy. I was like struggling for my life. Wow. You know? <laughs> it's like a bobber. It's it a good way to go, though. It turned, <laughs> it <was> good story. <laughs> to, to die in the Dead Sea. That's pretty yeah, cool. That would be cool. Yeah. yeah. Okay, what other, what other, the land of Israel. Jesus goes to Galilee most of the time. Yeah, it's his home. It's, it's his world. Capernaum, more his place? Uh, well, he relocates early, and uh, yeah. It's, uh, Where's he living? The, the Gospels at one point say, well, he comes to Capernaum. And they say he came to his own town. At one point, they called Nazareth his own town. But at another time, mm-hmm. I think they call Capernaum his own Does town. Is he staying at Mary Martha's place? Where's he staying? Uh, he's staying with Peter, I think. Oh, he stays in Peter's really? house. Oh, cool. Yeah. So yeah. when they tore Peter's roof off, Jesus, that's why Jesus was there a lot. Yeah, that, I don't think Peter was very pleased with that. <laughs> <laughs> okay, any other significant um, area in Israel that just... You you love going there. It's yeah. Your I mean, it's all yeah. There's not an in, that's the thing about mm-hmm. Israel. There isn't an insignificant area. Wow. It's in one sense, it's sort of all significant. Mm-hmm. And and I just do New Testament life of Jesus. I have not, and I've been there 17 times. I I haven't delved into the, the all the Old Testament sites. I mean, mm-hmm. every now and then you'll drive past some parking lot and they'll say, well, that's where Jeremiah did whatever, or wow. that's where you know. I, I did, and you you went there too. We we drove by, and there's this field, and the guy. Well, that's the field where David killed Goliath. Or, <laughs> that's the most insignificant place for me. Yeah, well, there's not even a parking place. You can't. There's no place to even pull the bus off to go <laughs> look. But we did pull the bus yeah, off we anyway. Did too. Yeah, <laughs> and went in the stream, and I got some. Rocks so did and, I. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he, everybody does. Well, he that. told me that they bring the stones from America and dump them in there. I probably do. <laughs> yeah. But uh, yeah, there's there's hardly any place that's in, that's that's insignificant. 
Did it's, you see it's uh, incredible place? Did you see the area at Calvary where it's like a bus terminal now below it, it where it looks As like the, the skull. skull? Yeah. Mm. Is it? You think that's the real place? No, no don't I say don't that to me. So. No, no, uh, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> no, the church all the sepulcher is. That's that's almost certain. I've had very reliable people no tell me way. that's where the that's where the crucifixion and the uh, tomb was. It was all there in that uh, complex no, in that I don't area. With it. Don't, folks, don't listen to this. this <laughs> so you think you think Jesus was crucified next to the bus terminal? Yes, I do. Uh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, if we go together, we'll have to look and show the students. Uh-huh. This is where you think it is, and this is where I think. There'll it be is. a Michael Torn and a Mark Torn. Uh-huh. <laughs> you can choose which yeah, one. If you're going to argue about stuff, you're, gonna, you're not going with me. I'm not, <laughs> I'm not dogmatic about anything, but, but I have heard very smart people tell me the Church of Holy Sepulchre is probably that's the area. Because yeah. there's an old cemetery there. And what do you have at that other place? You have one tomb. Well, my bus driver told me that that's where the place was. <laughs> yeah, okay. okay. <laughs> oh. There's a nice bookstore there with some good coffee, though. <laughs> so if you're going to go to Israel, um, we're hoping to go with you. Um, going out into the wilderness area, yeah. do you get to stop at some Abrahamic place and eat? Yeah, well, we what, what we do, one, and, th- and this is because I, I went to Israel several times making videos, and I would be at Capernaum all day, mm-hmm. and I would see tour groups coming and going, mm-hmm. and there'd be 300 people in a group. Mm, and I said, way too much. I said, no, I, no. I would never do that. No. Or they'd be rushed. I'd say, well, I would never do 20 that. 20 to 40 max. Yeah. And that, and so, you know, my, my buddy Ron Davis, who I travel with, I would come back from Israel and I'd say, it was crazy. There were too many people, and they, they went too many places. For, they you, did for ulti- you, you mean? No, no, no. Oh, I was just there, people. and I would see the oh, tours right. going yeah, and coming. Yeah, yeah. They do Old Testament and New Testament together. <laughs> I mean, that's just your head will explode, right? Yeah. And so Ron, Ron is listening to all these details, and Ron says, <laughs> well, let's do a, a tour and do it the way we think you should, should do be it. Done, yeah. So we do. It's just the life of Jesus. It, 10 days in chronological order, um, no more than 30 people. Uh, every day at one site, we leave you for an hour. You're not re- at one site. We say it, it gives you a chance for the site to speak to you. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. good. So we leave you in the mm-hmm. Judean wilderness for an hour. Yeah, not in pull, the summertime. <laughs> well, no, we go in January. Okay. But we, 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 pull, we pull in, and you go, and you sit on top of a sand dune, and the bus leaves. Oh, that's incredible. Yeah, and, and, and mm-hmm. people consistently say that's their favorite time Yeah. Uh, to, yeah. to feel like they're hearing God. But we leave you in Capernaum for an hour. Uh, I, was, I was at Capernaum one time, and this tour group rushed through. That's where Peter's home was. I mean, it's the most important city probably mm-hmm. in the whole, you know, mm-hmm. Gospels in next to Jerusalem. And... Um, and a little old lady was there, and she said, I, I was really hoping to see Peter's house. And the tour guide said, look, we just don't have time. Aww. And I said to myself, okay, I'm never going to do that. Right. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, we let the site speak to you. We have meal fellowship together. Mm-hmm. We have worship time together. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have a, a, a sing. We have a, a bonfire on the Sea Galley on the shore mm-hmm. and sing together. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Do you want to do the boat rides? We do the Jesus boat. Yeah, you got to yeah. do that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Well, Michael And Carr. they play the cheesy music over this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they do. We do that. Yeah. <laughs> well, Mike, it's been uh, a real blessing to have you here. Well, thank and you. It's, um, Thanks, yeah, Mike. I really love you as a brother and uh, love what God has done in your life. Well, and, thank uh, you. Pray that he gives you many more years to do what uh, you're doing. And thank you for um, obeying, listening to his call to you mm. to, uh, to write and to share Jesus with others. I'm, we're going to be really praying. We're, we have, mm-hmm. by, by the way, we have over, I think, 1,300 people praying for you this week. Oh, I didn't know that. Oh, 
Bill Lane used to say, nothing happens without prayer. Amen. Mm -hmm. That is so true. We know that around here, don't we? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, it's been another uh, Fasten Like Nails. Uh, And Mike, just so you know, that title, Fasten Like Nails, comes from Ecclesiastes chapter 12, verses Mm -hmm. 18, verses 8 through through, uh, 13, where um, he says that there are three particular types of words. Um, My son, um, he says, I want you to listen to the words of delight. That word delight is a very interesting word to uh, Mm. translate. It could mean delight. It could mean um, unconditional acceptance. Mm. Um, It could mean value. So uh, listen to the words of delight, value, or acceptance. Mm. You know, what Mm -hmm. is it that, that we hear that that you're attracted to. I, I would think that people who are listening to this podcast today, this broadcast, um, there's an attraction to it because we're mm-hmm. talking about things that are delightful. Oh, yes. Mm-hmm. You know? And light. Give light. Yeah. Value. Yeah. The, all the different mm-hmm. parts of this discussion mm-hmm. from the Sea of Galilee going into the Dead Sea, you know, to the Judean wilderness, to um, the things, you know, mm-hmm. the little things like Jesus having nine brothers and sisters. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know? That's that's amazing, you know. Mm. Uh, can you imagine growing up in in you know, no? You, <laughs> and he's the oldest, so he's kind of responsible that's for right. taking care of everybody else. Yeah, yeah. It's I can see why you call it the imagination series. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yeah. Oh, by the way, I'm a l- that I'm very jealous of. <laughs> what the imagine the title, the imagination series. Oh, biblical imagination. That's it's Bill Lane. It's his title. As soon as I as soon as I heard it, I'm like, oh, there's another title that I would have used. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> you got a lot from Dr. Lou last week. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so um, well, so, the, the redeemed imagination. You used to put put oh. an adjective in front of it. Yeah, I'll figure the something Christian out. Imagination. Go ahead. It's, I think it's a it, it's a godly jealousy. So that's the enough. godly imagination. Yeah. Good, yeah. <laughs> No, I really, I, I, when someone comes up with something beautiful, I really rejoice. Oh, it's, yeah. it's, uh, <laughs> it's amazing. You know, I, when people prosper, I rejoice. Good. I love That's that. Good. You yeah. know, I, I didn't always, I was not always like that, but God has changed my heart because I think when we celebrate mm-hmm. the blessings of others, mm-hmm. I think that that is so attractive. Yes. People can become mm-hmm. so envious and jealous of mm-hmm. other people's prosperity. and yeah. But God is kind to all, right? That's right. <clears throat> grateful and the wicked. Okay, so yeah. back to Ecclesiastes. So words, my son, um, he uses these words as goads, you know, the little pricker. To be fastened like nails, words of delight or value, words of truth, and words of the wise. Mm. And then he says, my son, beware of anything beyond these three things. Mm-hmm. You know, and he says this. He says they are to be used as goads to prick us, to goad us into the right direction. Mm-hmm. That's what words of delight, truth, and wisdom do in our lives. And then he says these, and they're to be fastened like nails so that these truths... Mm they stick to us mm. and they don't ever leave us so that when we do get Amy Carmichael said that when you kick a bucket of water you'll know what's in it because that what's, which is kicked will come out mm. you know and uh, mm. so when we're kicked in life we got to make sure that the words of delight truth and wisdom are what comes out rather than our own reactions mm. Mm. and then and then he says this he says you ready drum roll they're going to be given to you by one shepherd Mm. Out of wow. nowhere, in the book of Ecclesiastes, the, this one shepherd comes into play. He doesn't. He doesn't belong there. It's, it's that a, word you were talking about, Hoxipakins. Mm-hmm. 
What is the word? I don't know how to say it. He was talking about the word that means it's only one time that it's being oh, used. Oh, hopoxagomena. Oh, yeah. Oh, you know, you know that as well? Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Hopoxagomena. Well, this is not a hopoxagomena, mm. but it's only this phrase, one shepherd, appears only four times in the entire Bible. Mm. But it's the only time in Ecclesiastes. You're yes, saying. yes. Yes. In, in, so in terms of Ecclesiastes, it'll be a hopoxlegomena. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's kind of cool. You like that word, don't you? I like you? that my, word. My student, my yes, young student over here. She was, she was listening in class. Yes. I thought it was so cool. So this phrase, one shepherd, appears once here, twice in Ezekiel, both referencing the Messiah to come. Mm-hmm. And then Jesus in John chapter 10 says, I am the one shepherd. Mm-hmm. And so he, Jesus himself, is using the words of delight, truth, and wisdom to guide us mm-hmm. so that our imagination, you know, will start to light up mm-hmm. so that we can connect the scriptures with life and be able to share, live out the gospel in mm-hmm. such a way that other people like, I want this God that mm-hmm. you have a relationship with. I know with. him. Mm-hmm. I can know. He enables me to know, know him. That's yeah. amazing, isn't yeah. it? Amen. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, thank you, everyone, for joining us for another Fasten Like Nails. And I'm Mark Hamby with Molly Mayo. And our privilege to have mm-hmm. Mike Card with us today. Mm-hmm. And we're going to pray that God does exceedingly abundantly above all that we could ask or think this amen. Friday. Amen. Mm-hmm. In Jesus' name, mm-hmm. amen. You've been listening to Fastened Like Nails, a presentation of Lamplighter Ministries. Our mission is to make ready a people prepared for the Lord by building Christ-like character one story at a time. To learn more about our family collection of rare books, dramatic audios, or guild programs, visit lamplighter.net. To hear more podcasts, search for Fastened Like Nails wherever you listen to podcasts. If you have a question you would like to submit for the Lamplighter team, visit fastenedlikenails.net and fill out the form. That's fastenedlikenails.net. What if you could learn from the creative minds and talents behind Lamplighter Theater? I've never seen anything like it. This summer, Lamplighter presents The Lamplighter Guild. A week of mentoring and apprenticeship in the dramatic arts. Learn script writing, music composition, sound design, directing, and voice acting from world-class professionals. Registration for the Lamplighter Guild is limited, so sign up today at lamplighter.net, lamplighter.net.